Hello and welcome to the Just In Stride podcast. I'm your host, Justin Pugliese. If you love endurance sports, you've definitely come to the right place. On this show, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, and professionals who can help us reach our true potential. Being a student of distance running for over 10 years and interviewing people in the sport for the last five, I've learned a ton, but there's always more to discover. Everyone has a story, and I know you'll resonate with each of our guests as we embark on this new journey together. Join us at home, on the road, or while you run. Together, we'll have some fun. So follow along on Instagram at JustInStridePod and your favorite podcast platform and prepare to be inspired. Come along for the ride with Just In Stride. This episode is presented by our friends at Exact Nutrition, a tasty and healthy way for you to fuel your body before, during, and after a solid training session. I can't leave the house without a few fruit bars in my pocket and they never make it back home. Exact is offering you 15% off your order when you use the code JUSTINSTRIDE. So head to exactnutrition.com and fuel your goals today. As the end of 2023 approaches, it's fun to look back and see everything we've been through. The wins, the losses, the challenges, the triumphs, the hardship, and the moments of joy. Personally, as much as I like to use this time to reflect on the past, I also love to learn from those experiences and see how I can improve moving forward. On this episode of Justin Stride, we uncover some valuable tools with Olympic lifter, runner, and mental skills coach, Cam Charbonneau. She's been a high-performance athlete her entire life. Whether it's rugby, lifting, martial arts, or running, Cam always strives to train and perform at the highest level. As a professional mental skills coach, she gets to share her own experiences with others and help athletes navigate their own mental struggles, allowing them to achieve optimal performance. We covered a wide range of topics from self-talk to confidence, planning, goal setting, and recovery too, all of which can be applied in many aspects of life, not only sports. Welcome to Justin Stride Cam. Long time, no speak. Yeah, thanks for having me. Super excited. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been seeing you've been posting a lot about um, mental skills and I know you're a mental skills coach and I think it's just, it's always valuable to have these conversations, not something, you know, we think about mental toughness in sport and I just think it's great to have you on just as a refresh uh, for people that don't know you and to maybe introduce this topic to people that didn't even, don't, don't even know it exists, uh, perhaps. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the work that I do is like the educational piece is just letting people know that uh, it's a thing because I meet a lot of, you know, athletes and non-athletes and they're like, oh, like I can work with someone like this, right. That can help with my mental skills. Um, And yeah, I mean, I guess for those of you that don't know what it is, um, I mean, mental mental skills is based on sports psychology. Um, that doesn't mean that I only work with athletes and, you know, I work, I can work with anyone because mental skills is valuable for, you know, life. Um, but essentially what I do is I help, I help people change the way they think, um, help them manage, um, challenging situations better and ultimately just help them, I guess, show up as the best version of themselves. Right. So whether that means, um, at work or on the field, uh, at the track, in relationships, um, or even just for yourself, right? So, and I and I do this through, you know, discussion and practical tools based in uh, sports psychology research. Nice. And what what drew you to that in the first place? 
so I was always interested in sports psychology. Um, I started in my bachelor's at McGill. I was in physical and health education and we had sports psychology classes as part of it. And I was always so drawn to the course and the content, but I did not want to do a PhD. I just, like I couldn't fathom writing a, yeah, writing a thesis and doing a PhD. Um, and so actually after I finished my degree, I went to University of Ottawa in business and sport management, which turned out just to be business. Um, <laughs> but actually in that time, two things happened. One was I was able to play varsity rugby for the first time. So that was pretty cool. But also I had a class um, with the class that I ended up switching to um, about positive living skills. And it was a sports psychologist who was a prof. And he was basically telling us his experience working with Olympic athletes and like all these tools and strategies and discussions he would have with them about training their brain. And I remember sitting there and I was just like mind blown because I've been in sports since the age of five. And this was like the first time I was really learning tools and strategies and really like diving into it. Like, yes, I've had the sports psychology classes, you know, at McGill, but I feel like this was the first time I, it, I really like was able to connect the dots. Um, and then I decided to just finish that semester because I was playing rugby. And then I switched over to the master's in um, so it's human kinetics intervention and consultation, but basically it's sports psychology, um, but it's a master's, right? Not a PhD. So yeah. So during that class, a light bulb went on and I decided to apply to that program. They only accept 15 people and I got in and yeah, I did that. And my mission was to help athletes at that time. My, my specific mission was to help athletes, you know, build the, these tools that I never got to build. Um, at a young age and at that time I was probably in my late 20s and a lot of things happened I think the, the timeline's a bit blurry but I ended up stopping rugby after 10 years because I got hurt and didn't have the mental skills to over overcome the fears I had coming back after injury so part of my mm -hmm. mission also was to equip athletes with you know mental skills tools and strategies to basically keep sport fun right because when when we start to get scared or add pressure too much of it you know too much stress it's, it's not fun and then you know that especially when you talk about younger athletes that leads to you know stopping sport altogether mm -hmm. so yeah that moment in my life was pretty pivotal for me <laughs> so so like you said in that these skills you could have learned them earlier so how what age are they teaching these these skills to young athletes are they introducing it much earlier now than than they ever have you can start so I remember during my stage um, because the professor that same prof that I talked about he he had a book where he was basically giving tools with his work with like five to eight year olds or something like really really young right and obviously you have to adapt things and they weren't specifically athletes it was just like yeah positive living skills with with really young kids um and so during my field experience, I actually worked at a daycare that my daughter's at now. It's crazy. It comes full circle. <laughs> I worked at a daycare where I was teaching three to five-year-olds what I was learning. And it was interesting because you have to be so creative and you almost have to like kind of dumb it down, right? Like you have to make it fun and 
and I was able to do that. And so to answer your question, like you, you can start at a really young age. Um, right now I work with athletes. I think the youngest athletes I work with right now are like 12, 13. And like, they'll grasp the concept, especially, you know, those in individual sport. Um, they're a lot more mature <laughs> than I remember being, especially if you're, yeah, individual sport, like the skating, tennis, um, our, our sessions are a bit shorter. Um, I usually make it like 30 minutes instead of an hour. Cause nowadays I also realize that there's a lot of pressure for young athletes, like especially ones in Spagatud, like they're expected to perform at school and perform in sport. And like you're 13 and it blows my mind. And mm -hmm. then, so then my boyfriend and I have a conversation about like, well, what do we do with our daughter? Like I, we don't want her inspired actually, because mm -hmm. it can be dangerous, right? And it comes back to down, back down to that. One of my missions was like, let's can I can we keep it fun, right? I'm not saying this happens to all young athletes, but I see it a lot. Let's say, mm -hmm. right? And so if we can teach this, and this is something that's not being taught, right? Um, parents are finding me online to the the association I'm a part of, but I think ultimately we could be teaching this as, you know, as young as like elementary school and then equipping, again, not just athletes, just equipping people with these skills that can help us ultimately manage emotions, manage situations that come up, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if, honestly, I haven't seen much evolve in that sense because the field itself is still evolving, especially in Canada. Like I literally have to create opportunities for myself. Mm -hmm. I can't just go find, like, I can't go on, uh, whatever, find a job online. Like that's in the States. Sure. It's bigger, but here, yeah, it's a bit tougher. Mm -hmm. Just like relatively in, in the beginning phases, let's say of, of that type of work that's being done, uh, well in Canada at least. But when you say like dumb it down or introducing it to children, like, what are you talking about exactly? Like, yeah, uh, just, just make like you you said make sports fun that's that's part of it for sure but how do you make them understand that this is important you know kids can absorb so much at, at a young age so yeah but it's like keeping their attention too you know just like you're you're doing with your teenage athletes you probably have mm -hmm. the same maybe even less <laughs> with your like younger yeah um, younger kids and that's why I even keep it to 30 minutes is exactly for that attention. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's hard for someone to anyone to, to like, yeah, kind of have this conversation for an hour after like a day of class or work. So um, when you ask me that, I, I think of like the first steps I do with anyone is always building self-awareness skills. So if it's with like really young kids, let's say five years old, it's literally getting them to kind of work their work their memory too and just be like, you know, what did you have for breakfast? How like how did you feel about it? And really just tapping into feelings and emotions and these type of conversations that they might not have at school or at home. Um, so it, you know, I'm thinking back to again, there are silly exercises, but it's just like drawing how you feel, right? Or like most young kids don't remember what they had for supper last night, <laughs> right? So how do you expect them to know how they felt after, you know, a certain competition? <laughs> they can't even, you know, just an, as an example. So part of the work is exercising that, that muscle, if you want to say, is that reflection piece and, and going back, retrieving information. Mm -hmm. But also 
being able to, I get, I guess, put words to how, to what, yeah, to how they feel and what they're going through right now, right? Um, especially when, yeah, when we're young, we just, I don't think we learned, I didn't learn how to do that. Um, and then with adults who, you know, hopefully have more awareness, <laughs> um, it's more about asking them really powerful reflection questions to get them to recognize how how they think and how they re- react to, to certain situation and not always like the negative stuff or the bad stuff, but it's also like what what did work, what did go well. And I always say it's not about reinventing the wheel. It's like, I, for sure you have things that work. Can you do that consistently before we add new things, right? And just like you, when you get a run coach or, you know, strength and conditioning coach, how they, mm-hmm. you know, they might assess, they have to assess you to then give you a program, right? So same thing with mental skills, but obviously mental skills, maybe not obviously, but it is a harder thing to measure. So for me, that assessment and evaluation is is through the reflection and through just um, kind of putting that those reflections on a document that we could come back to and, and continue to reflect on and check in with, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I always find when I talk to you about this stuff, it's, it's kind of the same way where we get talking and go down a certain path. And then that gets me thinking about something uh, (laughs) related to my running or related Mm. to life or relationships or whatever, you know? And I think that's, that's more so what it is. It's that it, it gets out of your mind and it gets onto paper or it gets vocalized and that's where you can make some improvements, you know, and you're the person for them that sees these patterns in athletes or has been down that path with someone or has solved this situation, this specific situation. So I think that's like when we just talk about anything, whenever we talk mental, like that's something you can't see. It's not a performance. It's not a, it's, what's in your mind and the better we are like the better we've already thought about these things the more equipped we are to handle them or to handle these downfalls or to handle success or to handle injury or whatever you know I just think it's really interesting because it's just like it's almost like things you don't think about or realize you're even thinking about and then learning how to tackle it you know so yeah and you know, a lot of the times I ask, you know, I get into the first, second session, I'm asking people these questions, and it seems like they feel bad or guilty that they don't have the answers. And I'm like, it's fine. Like, this is probably the first time you're thinking about this. Mm-hmm. I'm probably the first person to ask you this question. Like, it's okay. <laughs> right? And and we don't need to know the, the exact answer right now. And most of the time, like, after the conversation, they just need to go out for two weeks and gather the data now and then we could come back and the answers are more clear uh, but yeah it's interesting because a lot of the work is done through the discussion through verbalizing things and um, I know part of my job is done when if I can get you to have an aha moment or a shift in the way you think while we speak then yeah that then we did something right <laughs> yeah usually that happens when we, when we have a conversation hopefully that's happening for people right now um <laughs> And like, so 
how has it evolved for you over the years? You know, we like we maybe spoke or had a conversation about this like on a podcast like three years ago or yeah. Um, how have things changed? Like, is the is the literature changing? Are you constantly also learning about this stuff to improve your your strategies or uh, advice that you're giving people? So the biggest change or shift that comes to mind um, right now, it's, it's right at the forefront because it's something that has just been in my face for the last, like, probably two years, <laughs> is just the idea of a slowing down and setting boundaries and being okay with recovering. And I'll, t- I'll explain it because the last, so I've been doing this for about seven, eight years now. A lot of my work has been revolved around helping people with like peak performance, right? Mm-hmm. And then I, I'm going to, I don't know how to say this story in a nutshell, but basically I, I'm also a high performer. I work with a lot of high performers and I don't know about you, Justin, but I would categorize myself as like type A perfectionist. I'm organized. I get stuff done. I'm on time. Uh, I overtrain, but like, you don't know that that's not sustainable until you hit one wall, two walls, three walls. Well, for me anyway, hopefully for most people, it's you don't hit a wall or it's just one wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but anyway, so I hit a wall at one point uh, physically and mentally. So I was like overtraining. So I ended up hurting my back, couldn't lift for three months. And then um, at some point I like felt really burnt out with work. Um, and just even becoming a new parent and just managing so many new things at once. And even before I became a parent, I was trying to learn so many things. I was getting coached and that in itself was very draining. And I think it led to like me feeling burnt out at that time as well it was the work, but also like when you put yourself in uncomfortable situations all the time, it's a lot. And everyone talks about stepping out of the comfort zone how about the opposite of that? Because I've stepped out of my comfort zone too much, where it was just like it was too, it was like really draining, and so I've all that to say is that I've had all these experience. You have all these experiences, and then one day, hopefully, it's like, oh, now I need to change, right? So then that's kind of what I've been going through the last few years. Is okay now? What I need to do something differently because I can't keep you know doing this. And at the same time, it was also happening with the clients I was working with especially after COVID and coming back into it, I've had conversations with athletes, you know, realizing that, you know, they, you know, the the break was good and like maybe they realized that they don't want to do the sport anymore. Or recently it's just been, you know, high performers that are burning out, that are getting hurt, that, um, yeah. And I mean, the common denominator here is as much as we know how important it is to rest and do all these things, it's just, it doesn't, it's just so hard. And so now what I find is that it, I'm talking about mental skills, the same mental skills for peak performance, goal setting, self-talk, setting boundaries, mindfulness, meditation for peak performance. These are the same skills that we're talking about to kind of lean into slowing down, changing the pace, being flexible trying to let go of too much control, perfectionism, rigidness. And how I see it is like high perform- most high performers, again, 
I, I don't know if you're like this, Justin, but we're black or white. So it's like, how can we be more gray? Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, just this whole journey being a mother has like, I have no choice but to be gray because I just don't have energy <laughs> to push my limits anymore. Yeah. And to be quite honest, I don't even feel like it. I don't know what it is, but it's just like the universe has its way of like giving you these things at the right time, I guess. But it's just like, I have no will to push my limits anymore. I've did it for 34 years. And I'm just like, this is a phase of my life where I'm just gonna be comfortable in the chaos. And I'm still learning and I have no choice, mm-hmm. but I, I just, I can't push. And, but I also have to have the confidence and trust in myself that when it's time to, to push my limits, I know I can do it because I've done it for so long. Mm-hmm. So these are the exact type of conversations I'm having with like 90% of my clients right now, which is crazy, but not right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, part of me is reflecting on, am I just seeing this because I'm going through it? Like, I don't know. Like Anyway, so in terms of what has evolved in the last time when we talked, it's really that piece of how can we, as a high performer, understand that to perform our best, we need to accept and, and embrace this idea of boundaries and rest and um, yeah, let go of perfectionism and learn to adapt and mm-hmm. build that trust and confidence in ourselves that we can get through those uncomfortable situations because we've done so many hard and uncomfortable things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's like the reverse yeah um is that possible is it like possible for peak performers to tap into that is that what you think now is that it's possible to reach peak performance by like going against kind of everything well some things that you are that you are and some things that you aren't and in grabbing some of those things that you aren't to to find progress and to find performance Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's mostly because I had to experience it. So I'm used to mm-hmm. training, you know, five to plus times a week. And then there were moments in the last few years where I couldn't. And I think we're all scared of losing the gains. And oh, my God, like, what's going to happen like two weeks, but then I couldn't run for six months, like after I had a C-section. So I couldn't run for six months. And then I couldn't even lift heavy weight for like three months. So when you're forced in these situations that you just have to experience, then you can that it like you realize things and so for me by changing the way I was training and and still being and still seeing progress or still seeing you know strength then it really I realized that like okay this is possible and I think we all know that really it's the old way of thinking right the no pain no gain kind of thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's the old way of thinking but that's how I trained for so long and I think that's how a lot of people think and we still have coaches out there that are like that, let's be honest, right? So, but for me, I definitely was overtraining, like two a days. Like I was a personal trainer for a long time, so it was just easy for me to do. I kind of lived at the gym. So for me to go from overtraining to like normal training, like of course I'm going to see progress, mm-hmm. right? So is is that equation going to work for everybody? I don't know, but... Right now, the conversations I'm having with high performers, again, like the common denominators that they just, they're not, most people aren't resting until they feel like they have to rest mm-hmm, mm-hmm. versus being preventative, right? And, and so 
right now the conversations are okay let's set set goals in terms of like not just physically but mentally like when are you when are you going to find time in your schedule to just be still whether that's meditation or having doing something mindfully or when are you doing yoga instead of forcing another run or so it's really setting goals around these items and when they do so far like we're seeing a difference mm. even mentally it's like you, i think we put too, so much stress on ourselves to perform all the time and when we take time to just you know sometimes go with the flow or be in stillness or recover or rest it helps us not just physically but mentally clear out so much space that we can then tackle the next training or next thing with just with more clarity and focus mm-hmm. right so so far like everyone that i'm having these discussions with like yeah absolutely it's it's changing the way that they're showing up mm. that's really cool yeah that's it's cool and you can that the key is is practicing that or giving it a chance because it's hard to believe it's like even in running when you're talking about or like recovery runs and like that running can be recovery too and mm-hmm. just running slow and and like not going crazy <laughs> and like that can be recovery you know but it's hard to believe that you can get fast by running slow yeah. or get fit by running slow but it's true you know like talk to an ultra runner like all they do is run just mm. hours and hours of slow running but still they're managing to build this fitness or this endurance in their body that allows them to run for who knows how long these hundred miles and crazy stuff like that, you know, that's on the extreme, but slowing down the stress and re- stress and rest. We hear that too, a lot. Um, it's kind of like a fine example of that, you know, and I guess going through pregnancy too, you're voicing something that, you know, a lot of women go through and it's a difficult thing. High performance athletes that decide to have, have children and, some are able to run it's it's really how your body's recovering so there's no better time to listen to your body and to build in that that rest stress rest strategy let's say then like then that time that's like a perfect time to kind of test that theory you know are you kind of are you finding your way through that like balance through that finding fitness again and like finding your body again, it must be like a, a coming from the high performance side and you did, you've done rugby and you've, you've done lifting and personal training and, and the running also like you're really in tune with your body on that side of things, you know? So how's the comeback coming along? It's been challenging and interesting. Um, so I worked out till the, day before I gave birth. I stopped Olympic lifting because I mean, like the bar is not going over my belly, but I was just in the gym doing what felt good. And for the first time I wasn't following a program and I just had to accept, and it took me a few months, I had to accept that the goal was just to move and to feel good. So during pregnancy, that the shift started where I was just like, okay, can't be competitive. I mean, it will, it will always that voice will always be there, but I need to listen to my body because it directly affects the baby that's growing inside of me and directly affects the rest of my um, energy the rest of the day, right? So that why is really important no matter what. And because on the challenging days, it's coming back to that, right? So 
during pregnancy, I, it took me a few months, but then I was like, okay, I'm just going to move. So that was, it was fun. It was good. And then um, I ended up having a C-section and that was really hard because even though I hired a doula, which is like basically a coach, <laughs> coach, we, I guess I didn't feel prepared enough for the C-section and I was basically forced to just stay on, to not move for two months. And it was December, January. And honestly, looking back, I don't think I accepted it. So that was really hard. And just, this is something that comes up in conversations with clients too, is like when we don't accept things and we have resistance, then it's so much harder to go through. Right. Um, but anyway, so my, my friends, my family helped me through that period. They, they would come by and say hi and just having, just seeing them and connecting with other people in that time helped me. But then um, fast forward, I have been working with a pelvic floor specialist for even the time before that because of back injury. And so she helped me um, slowly get back into moving. So after, I think after two months, I started doing like body weight stuff at home. And that was like super exciting. I was like, oh, now I have a goal. My goal is just to like get through these exercises, right? Um, and I had to listen to my body because if I would do too much, then it would just backtrack my whole progress, right? So I didn't want that to happen. So I was really good at just following my body and not pushing limits because mm -hmm. my motivation was to come back as fast as I could. And I did everything right. And even as fast as I could was like running took six months. That's long. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but like I had to rebuild my core and my pelvic floor. And I also had to change my mindset and just like I, a day at a time, a week at a time, listen to your body. That was like, that's been my, I guess my mantra was just like, slow down, listen to your body. There's literally no reason for me to push limits or like hurry. Like, there's just no reason to rush right now. I've been rushing my whole life. So again, it came back down to the the why. And for me, it was just like, okay, I want to get back to moving and I want to feel good. And this is a lot of it's around my mental health because a big, as you know, Justin, a big part of my identity is being an athlete and <laughs> competing. Um, so to this day, I still don't have a program. So I've been going to the gym that I was working at, I was doing group classes. And now I finally have a routine where I can train like between three and four times a week, which is like nowhere near how I was training before, but it like, it's still fine. Like I still feel like there's still progress. It's slower, but it's still fine, mm -hmm. you know? And then I was, this is, it's great that we're having this conversation today because <laughs> la last week I was just like, man, it's been like a year and a half that I didn't follow a program. I'm like, you know, I, I gave it its time. I just, I'm go I've been going with the flow for a very long time. And like, for me, a year and a half is a long time. Um, and I show up at my group trainings, but like, there's just something about following a program and seeing results and seeing progress and growing strong and, and accomplishing, you know, programs and races and, and, and these goals, mm -hmm. like that feels good right and that confidence and strength that you know training has given me trickles into other aspects of life right and so i i feel like that's the piece i miss the most and it's tough because i'm in this crossroads right now where i'm like 
I miss competing and I want to compete, but I have no energy to show up for a training if I don't feel like it. I just, whereas in the past I would do it. No question. Discipline, discipline. Now I'm just like the total opposite of what I was. And it's just like, it blows my mind. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so anyway, last week I decided to go back to my, to Olympic lifting with a coach. And today I have a second training and it's tonight. And then I'm usually I would just go. And now I'm just like, I don't feel like going. So do I go or do I not? And I'm like, this, (laughs) this has never happened before. (laughs) (laughs) And if I go back to my why, yes, it's mental health and moving. And part of me wants to compete. And the coach is like, Oh, like there's one February 3rd. You want to compete? I'm like, nah, like this, that's too early. But I miss being part of, of that. Like, when I'm there and I'm lifting, it's just a piece of me that I haven't had in a while. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to think about anything else. And it's not to be selfish, but I think it is part important for everyone to have that time alone, right? So to go back to your question, I'm in a, in a place where I'm just figuring things out. Mm-hmm. Like where I've, I've been listening to my body. I've been so good at it that I don't want to push my limits anymore. So I'm just like, I'm not sure what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, also f- f- uh, fear of setback. Also, you know, it's been going well, making progress. You know, you don't want to jump too far ahead. Also, probably, um, it's just like running in mileage. You know, you don't want to go from fifty to one hundred. You want to go like fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty. You know, yeah. people. Some people do it differently, but you know, then uh, you know, some people get stress fractures too. I mean, I, I don't know, like. I, I'm always erring on more on the side of caution. Like I'm coaching a few athletes now running and it's just like you ran two marathons, unstructured training plans. Like, no, let's build something structured and let's build something progressive, you know, mm-hmm. that's not too much because everyone else is running hundred K a week. You know, it's like, it's all individual. It's all for you. And um, listen, I'm there too. I mean, this is the hardest hardest time of the year as a runner, unless you're training for like a Boston or something, um, going into the holidays, eating and family and not many races coming up, you know? So to build mileage now and with nothing on the calendar, listen, I'm not the same as I was, you know, 10 years ago either. Like it's hard to get out the door sometimes. And, mm-hmm. and I just chalk it up to just like, I'm going to go move today, you know? And that's okay, you know? It's uh, life is funny that way. Priorities change in life, and also our goals change in life, and our motivation for doing stuff also changes too. Um, so, like, I, I totally, simp- you know, empathize with you um, on that front, hundred percent. Because, yeah, just some days, like, I gotta work on my strength, and I don't feel like running today. You know, it's just my back sore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? You know, something that's been helping me, that helped me get through this the last year, like, because there had to, there was a complete mind shift, right? Where competitive, like, I had to let go of me competing. And something that helped me was just realizing that whenever I'm ready, it's always going to be there. The race, the competition, the co- like, it's always going to be there. So mm-hmm. why do I have to feel like I need to do it now? And then that, when you actually take the time to answer those questions, then you learn a lot about yourself. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I realized that 
yeah, I mean, obviously it feels good when people are like, when people see your accomplishments and like at the end of the day, we have to do things for ourselves, right? So if I'm just going to do something just to like get the praise, that's not, that's, that shouldn't be the reason, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. anyway, all that to say, it's, it's going to be there. So there's no point forcing it or rushing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the competitions you're talking about now doing, it's uh, like Olympic lifting competitions? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It would be Olympic lifting. There's a few, like there's opportunities all year. So mm-hmm. when I when I read February 3rd, I was like, whoa, that's like in two months. That mm-hmm. then, then I started feeling stress and pressure and fear. Then I knew right away that the answer would be no. Mm-hmm. So that's like my sign too. And that's, again, comes back to conversations I have with people. It's like, when when there's fear and anxiety sometimes sometimes yeah we have to push through that but other times it's a sign that maybe maybe we don't have to go there right and it's an opportunity for us to ask ourselves like why why do we feel like that mm-hmm. should we yeah should we plow through um because again this is something i did for so long was i just went through i didn't set boundaries i push 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 but like yeah it might you could do that up until maybe your late twenties. I don't know, or mm-hmm. later if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of external factors that go that come into those decisions later on. You know, like what do you think when you talk to athletes? What do you think is the biggest hurdle that they're facing? You know, and then you mentioned also, you know, are you doing it for yourself? Or are you doing it for somebody else? Or you know, for for praise? I mean, this is a big thing too. I feel now. Uh, yeah, you know, running world majors and stuff, it's cool and stuff. Like, uh, you know, I wanted to run one next year too. I'm not, I didn't get into one. So, what do you do? You don't run a marathon? No, I'll find another marathon that's just another marathon <laughs> that's yeah. not on the list because I want to run one. <laughs> like, so the motivation's there for myself, but maybe it's yeah. not as shiny as some some other race. I mean, I think. I wrote down three things when you asked me that what comes to mind is pressure, confidence, and comparing, and they all kind of tie in together. But what comes up a lot of the times is, I mean, it's confidence in general. I haven't met, you know, one person that is, you know, confident in everything. And I guess they wouldn't be talking to me in the first place, but I mean, I think we all compare, right? So, and it doesn't have to be a bad thing all the time. I've, compared myself to others and it could be inspiring like when I when I see videos of others Olympic lifting I'm like oh like I want to do this like it's inspiring and motivating but then when it becomes negative in the sense where you're like oh I should be doing this or like oh you're wondering about this other person's training or life and thinking you should be at a certain place like obviously that's not helpful and then obviously like that can also affect your confidence right so a lot of the conversations I have is around the comparison game how can we, again, self-awareness, first catch or notice when you're comparing, okay, is it helping or not? If it's not, well, then we need to talk about how do we change that conversation? And a big, I guess, a tip would be to, a lot of the times I help people come back to their own goals and things in their control. You can't, you have no, you have no control over the person that you're comparing yourself to or whatever other situation. And you only you don't know this person's life mm-hmm. right we just get all the highlights on social media and if 
you don't have a goal or a plan, then it's really easy to fill that space with other people and other things and comparing. So in the first sessions, I try and get to know the person in front of me and understand really like what their goals are. We create an action plan. We break that down into like, okay, what does that mean in terms of even habits and mindset this month to get closer to that goal? And so now when you find yourself comparing, which you will, because it's normal, can you accept it, right? Accept that we're comparing and come back to you, your action, your habits, and just focus on that and growing that, trusting and knowing that the more you focus on what's in your control, the more success you'll have, right? Because, I mean, everyone knows this. It's easier said than done. But the more energy you put into comparing, the less energy you're putting on yourself. Mm -hmm. Right? So, And then obviously when you focus back on you and what you can control, then that builds the confidence. And then that helps us show up better and perform better. Right? And then to touch on the pressure piece, a lot of athletes put pressure on themselves to perform a certain way based on their teammates or whatever, based on the comparison game. They also feel maybe pressure from coaches or the people around them. And again, that hurts confidence because you end up doing the, the comparison game and mm-hmm. thinking I should, I could. And um, so in those situations, it's learning how to, again, accept, accept that, okay, you're putting pressure on yourself, but then kind of shifting the focus to something else. But a lot of the times I also have conversations with athletes about like just having fun again. <laughs> we put, we, I think it's really easy to get serious and too focused on our goals and things, but can we just zoom out and remember that I think for most of us, we're not getting paid to, to show up to training, you know, and, Fine, if you're like a professional athlete, yes, these pressures, all this is real. That's another conversation. And they obviously have mental skills applies to them too. But at the end of the day, most of us, like this is a hobby. This is something we like to do. And and if it's not fun anymore, then what's the point? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So. Do you get to that point with athletes where they're like, I'm not having fun anymore? Yeah, all the time, especially now, because it's the end of the year. And there's so much fatigue and buildup, especially for uh, a sport like hockey, that is such a long season. We start in August, we end in like, in the spring. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, they're they have games every they have like two games a weekend. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Especially now, like everyone's so happy to have like at least a two week break. <laughs> and some of them are like, should I do mental skills? And I'm like, if it feels forced, no, take just two weeks off to just chill, practice going with the flow, have fun, laugh. Like if you feel like training, train. If you feel like meditating, meditate, mm-hmm. you know, uh, like I, I think all of us need this type of break just to reignite fire and motivation and passion and focus you know and I mean I guess this comes full circle to that idea of like recovery and rest right if we're running ourselves to the ground all the time at some point it's not fun mm-hmm. so yeah and find maybe some positives in the, the the way you're performing now you know meeting yourself where you're at too 
Mm. Like maybe like high performance, maybe you're performing at your highest level right now for where you're at. Like that also right. like, is a thing, right? Like you got to mm. give yourself, cut yourself some slack too and say, I brought a human into the world. Yeah. You know, my body went through a lot. They're not, pe some people might say those are excuses. They're not. It's just the facts of life, you know, yeah. and there's, there's that kind of self-talk as well, right? Like I'm doing great. Like this is amazing. My body's healing. Yeah. My baby's happy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's a that. great point. And I think a lot of the times we hear this, like you're doing your best, right? And I'm coming back to the example of these students, or like, say the hockey season where you have exams. So now you're expected to perform in your exams and do games and practice. So yeah, it's about performing your best at, at this point in time. Definitely looks different than, you know, let's say August where you're fresh from the summer, mm -hmm. right? And honestly, sometimes I forget that. <laughs> but yeah, it, it has come up in conversations where I need to remind them and mm -hmm. It comes back to the self-awareness, right? So like example, waking up in the morning, just assessing how you feel mentally and physically so that you can put a realistic intention or goal for the day. Because I think a lot of us, what we do is we expect to perform at our best all the time. And then we get disappointed because, yeah, we're tired. We're tired from life and other stuff. Maybe we were sick. There's no way you're performing at your best when you've been sick for two weeks. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, we all think that we should be, right? So I think a good practice is, is waking up, assessing how we feel, and putting an intention to our day. And yeah, letting go of ex expectations and, and focusing more on intention and, and action versus like the result or outcome. Mm -hmm. I think that could be helpful too. I was, um, I was just sick for two weeks, so... I so was I. <laughs> so was I. And for the first time in my life, I allowed myself to do zero training for two weeks. <laughs> and guess what? It was fine. <laughs> yeah, you're in a great spot. What's the best way? Because I just had this conversation, um, and because you're talking about goals when you when you wake up and setting your intention for the day, and Sometimes I find it difficult, you know, like we just came off a weekend. We were away visiting family. Came back, had a day off today. Thought I was going to crush it and get a lot of stuff done. But it's like this mix of like, I want to relax and I want to get stuff done and I, I want to go running, you know. And then it's like, that's all in my brain. But is it, I guess the more general question is, what's the best way to achieve these goals? Is it to make a list? Is it, what do you find? What you, are there tools and tricks you, I mean, this is just analysis for my own personal benefit, but I think just like when you're building a plan, no matter how long it is, if it's daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, what's the, what's the best way to navigate that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I am totally feeling like you today. So, <laughs> and there's two things I want to get at. So I'll come back to like the goals and setting that up. But what came to mind right away was intuition versus anxiety. And this is a podcast that I heard from um, my leadership coaches. 
But basically, it was a conversation around that idea of listening to what we actually need today, intuition, right, the gut feeling versus anxiety, which would be like the fears, right? Like, oh, like I have all this time to do things, but what if I don't do this or, you know, you know, so I think the conversation in that podcast was essentially about most of the time we act on the anxiety, the fears and like the pushing limits too much, right? Versus coming back to what I said about like the body scan in the morning is can we actually, it is a skill, right? To actually be aware and listen to our body and actually like see what we need. I know today I need to do nothing, but my brain keeps telling me to do shit because I'm just wired that way. Mm-hmm. But if I were to listen to my gut after our call, I am I would Netflix. But my <laughs> brain's like, no, you need to do the laundry and this and that. But like, actually, no, like, I know I need to rest because I had a very social weekend. And if I rest now, I, I'll be just more productive when I decide to be versus like doing things half ass because I, I haven't chosen really. Mm-hmm. So one piece to all this, I, so guess what I'm getting to is the idea of being not just listen to like listening to that intuition and getting to know that, but also being okay to adapt and adjust and be flexible. And this kind of brings me to my performance planner and my new branding, which is inner pace. And I hate the word balance because uh, I think there, there's no such thing as balance because I think when, once we feel like we hit balance, shit just happens again. And then it's just like, okay, now what? So to mm-hmm. me, it's like, how do we find a rhythm or how do we find our pace? Because that changes all the time, right? So if we think about a student athlete or like your, you know, your run cycle or program all year, there's different cycles and phases. You can't expect to have the same habits and mindsets the whole season, the whole year. That just that doesn't make sense, right? So can we be better at, recognizing when you know the seasons change in a sense and how do we adjust to that and how do we what mindsets should we adopt to certain seasons right and I think that's I'm saying this because a lot of the times again high performers are black or white we set goals and then if something doesn't happen we if we're not good at adapting then it's really easy to get disappointed and frustrated and stop things mm-hmm. right and so to go to the point for the goals um if we use your example (laughs) right you're not for sure like a list I think would be useful because even talking out of personal experience a lot of clutter in our heads already and especially I don't know about you I work uh, from home a lot and there are so many external factors like working from home that adds to the clutter right whether Mm -hmm. it's a physical Mm -hmm. mess and so I think it could get we can get overwhelmed really quickly by all the little things we want to do. So it does come down to like, let's put these thoughts on paper. So it first they have a place to live and then we can clear some space. Then can we prioritize maybe based on, I guess like actual urgent things, but also based on how you feel today. Right. So yeah, maybe there are actually one or two things you absolutely need to get done today. Okay, fine. But after that, if, if truly like deep down you need to rest can you be okay just chilling and mm-hmm. and that in itself takes practice yeah because that's uncomfortable right so like 
the list is just like a tiny piece of the whole, I guess, system. I like to call it a system of like the goal setting and the action plan and the habit tracker. I love systems like this because I think, honestly, I probably have ADHD that's not diagnosed, but I've had <laughs> systems like this that work for me that keep me organized, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I work with someone, it's about first thinking big picture is the long-term goal. So for you, Justin, I guess if you think about like your bigger goal, it would come down to, is there something you need to do today that that will bring you closer to that? Like, do you feel like you need to take that little step? Or is it, but, but also rest is a step, you know? Now we're, yeah, now we're <laughs> discovering that rest is a step here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, I, to me, it always comes back down to the why and the ultimate goal. And are you doing things that feed into this ultimate goal and your priorities? Mm-hmm. So one of the first, it takes me multiple sessions to get to know the person in front of me, right? The client. And as we go through sessions, we talk about the long-term goal or objectives and we break that down. So let's say, so first of all, long-term could be mean different things to people. Some people are scared of dreaming big. So just to make this simple, let's say long-term is a year. Okay. Yeah. That's so, how I think about long, long-term. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like more achievable, more realistic maybe. So, okay. Like so let's say, five, 10, that always freaks me oh, out. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten that's everything a, wrong. That's <laughs> so another conversation for another day. <laughs> I've gotten everything wrong up until now. So, yeah. <laughs> so okay. So let's say 2024. What do you want to accomplish? How do you want to feel? So we, we really hash out this. What does that look like in 2024? Then it's about breaking that down to smaller pieces about um, now what do you need to do to get there? What do you need to do to feel that way, to be that way? You know, and we could break that down into semester or quarters, but essentially we are breaking it down to the quarters and then to like the, the weekly habits that bring mm-hmm. us closer to that. Because a lot of the times what I see is everyone has a goal. I think it's pretty common that we, you know, we think about a goal, but we don't take time to create the action and create and think about what habits and things need to, what things need to be changed to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, The support system. I mean, I could talk about goals for another session, but it does come down to the daily habits and not just physical, but mental and the mindsets and intentions we have. Um, And when you get sick and when life happens to be okay, accepting that and knowing that's part of the journey, like success is not a linear, you know, uh, path upwards. So I think a lot of us need that reminder. We all know that, but when we're in it and no one's there to kind of remind us or pull us out of that, tunnel vision it can be really hard so um i tend i like to do monthly check-ins where so we set the goals we break them down into like monthly i guess milestones Mm -hmm. so for example by the end of the january by the end of january you know we want these habits in place or these accomplishments done to be closer to the end goal and we'll have that conversation at the end of january okay what went well what didn't and you know, sometimes the whole month went crap, but it's okay. What are we learning from that? What is one thing we can do better in February, right? Whereas some people might just totally give up altogether because it's that whole resilience piece and bouncing back, right? And there's so many factors to 
successfully bouncing back. And I think a big part of that is support. It's so hard to achieve goals on your own, right? And so a lot of what I do is support people with their goals, but also helping them get back on track and helping them build the confidence that they need in themselves to do that on their own as well. Cause I'm not there all the time and I don't want to be there all the time. Right? That's true too. Yeah, exactly. You want to give them the tools so they can handle it. Yeah. Also. So, so we develop these systems, right. Which could look like a goal setting document or a habit tracker. And of course they have these templates, but ultimately I want the person in front of me to make it their own. And one system, you know, in December might not work in June. And that's normal. So at least at the end, my goal is to give these tools or guidelines where, okay, this is a template. This, these are systems we can use. But at the end, I want you to like run with them and make them yours, right? Because these are lifelong tools and skills. Mm-hmm. I, do you find it funny, like at this time of year, especially that people do these things or set these goals based off calendar years? I mean, I think it's normal because that's just how we are. But I think that I personally tend to encourage people to start whenever. And which is why I made my performance planner undated. There's no excuses. You can start any day. That's sharp. That's really sad. I like it already. Yeah. um, That's perfect. But there's a lot of pressure around January. But... I, for me, it also means excitement because it can also be like this new chapter where you can not start over, but almost have like this. It's weird. It, it, it does have this feeling of like blank slate, start over. <laughs> so sure, yes, please. If that feels good, do it. But also you can set goals on the other 364 days mm-hmm. of the year, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And you could start over in June or in March yeah. or whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's. I think if anything, like sports teaches us this better than any anything. Because mm. I think about it when I was hearing you talk, it's when we put a race on our calendar or we have a tournament or an event that we have to perform at, we do everything we can to prepare ourselves with a plan to be ready for that moment. And that's kind of like, if we look at life like that, not just sport mm-hmm. and, and just life goals, it doesn't have to be sports, then we should technically be able to prepare for those moments also. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I just had this kind of thought in my mind. Like I always mark my calendar with races, but I'm not looking ahead to, to anything else really (laughs) i mean you're absolutely right and when i do goal setting with some clients it's the sport goal the career goal yeah it's it's the same and for me man working for yourself is so hard i wear so many hats and i literally i have to put deadlines i have no choice i have to Mm -hmm. be like you know um maybe i want to get out this like group challenge so my dude i have to put a due date otherwise like there's no sense of urgency Mm You know, um, and I have all these projects and things I want to do. And if I don't put them in like a calendar, like you're saying, or have these goals of when to launch these ideas or have certain ideas complete, I'm just going to, this is because literally this is what I've been doing. I've just like kind of dabble in like, 
I do 10% of one, 10% of the, and then nothing gets done Mm -hmm. unless it's an urgency would be like, obviously my individual clients, my workshops, but then all the other cool ideas I have are just like floating around Mm -hmm. because I don't put a due date to it. And I'm only accountable to myself. Right. So that's where goal setting and that phases of, of my year where I'm really good at it and some I'm not. And I just went through this whole change in my life. So routine and schedule and putting things in a calendar right now is like, it's hard. Like I can't do that mm-hmm. or I can't, I'm just learning how to get into it again. So, yeah. but absolutely just like you would plan your races and prepare for them. Like, yeah, that's the same system you would use for, for anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I feel, I feel what you're saying too. I just thought of this podcast, like mm-hmm. I have to schedule guests. I have to make the content. I have to, I do every, you know, do just about everything on this thing. So yeah. the engine behind these things, these ideas, you know, it's, it's me. So if you don't think about it, it's usually too late, you know, or late, <laughs> maybe not too late, but late. So yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. So talk talk to us more about this new branding that you did and this plan this planner that you put out. I'm like very interested in that. Yeah. So oh man. So I've been wanting to put out. Okay, let me rewind. I don't know where to start. Okay. So when specifically when I work with student athletes, I began to realize that a lot of them are really they find it really challenging to organize their time. And I mean, time management is directly related with stress, right? (laughs) So a lot of the work I did was teaching them how to use a calendar, organize their time in an agenda. Um, And then parallel with that, we were also learning how to use a journal and, you know, build that self-awareness, write down thoughts, goals. And so now like years go by and I'm like, Every time I I tell a client to buy a certain agenda, they'll go out and do it. And then they use it and it works. And then they'll go buy a journal. Now they have these two things, two books that, you know, if they could be one would be great. And so I was thinking, and this this thought probably started three years ago. I was like, why don't I create my own kind of planner where I can combine the two? Um, And so that's where the idea started. was literally because I saw a hole in and what I was doing. And I realized that I, if I could just make my own, it would, yeah, they could just have this one book. Obviously, the idea of creating something physical for the first time was very scary. I didn't know where to start. Um, and my, my, my brother supports me a lot with my ideas, and he gives me really good advice. And he's basically the person just saying, like, do it. <laughs> and Ultimately, what happened was fast forward to now my mat leave last year. And I was like, I'm just going to use this time to do it. And I was still, um, was, it, was it my mat leave? Yeah, it was my mat leave. I, and, and before that, while I was pregnant, I started as well, I think. Um, and I actually met my now friend. Um, who I met, I met her through the run group. She's a graphic designer. We hit it off. And she helped me with the the design of it. I knew exactly what what I wanted it to look like, or I thought I did. But the other part was like, what's my branding? What color? Like, what are the pages going to look like? And so she helped me with that. And the idea of the branding in her pace came from one of her classes. So she teaches design at College La Salle. And Mm -hmm. she actually had me come to her class and had all her students rip on my 
current or my old branding, which was peak perform. Mm -hmm. I was in a place where I was ready to let go of it because I created it when I started and I've evolved so much in the last seven years. And just looking at my website and everything around it, I was like, this isn't me anymore. It was, I feel like now I'm somewhere more, I don't know if this will make sense. I'm in a place that's more soft, right? Leaning and embracing the recovery and all that versus the old one with mindset was like the no pain, no gain, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was really ready to let go of peak performance. Anyway, so I showed up to her class, all her students kind of, yeah, ripped apart peak perform, which whatever I was ready to hear. And then they all kind of, based on, on telling them about myself and my vision for this, how my coaching has evolved, now they were going in groups and they, they offered different names for branding. And um, anyway, long story short, I left with inner pace. Something stuck with me. Um, but that idea comes back to what I was saying about hating the word balance. And whether you're a high performer or not, the whole concept around inner pace is being able to adjust our pace and adjust our rhythm no matter what comes our way so we can show up as our best. And it comes back to what you're saying, what you said, Justin, about like performing at a high level today might be look like something else tomorrow. Right. It's just that whole idea of, of being adjustable and, and finding a rhythm depending on the season and what you need any given day. And so, um, yeah, so I, I took that name and we built this book together and, oh my God, it was so complicated. Like just to find a color or, you know, I wanted to add bookmarks and this and that, and it just, the price adds up, like it's crazy. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up making, so it's called the Inner Pace Performance Planner. So it's more of a planner than a journal, but essentially what it does so it's like an agenda, but in this planner agenda, there are quarterly reflection questions. Um, and then there are, where do I start? Like there's a habit tracker. Basically the idea is that, yes, it's an agenda, but the idea is to get you to think about your mindset as well. So there's no space really to journal, but let's say at the end of each day, there's a check-in. So at the bottom, it says you can, there's a space where you can write, you know, what you're grateful for. And there's like, these little there's three happy faces well it's not a happy face basically you you rate your focus your confidence mm -hmm. um and what's the other thing anyway you check in on your mindset right so like there's a happy face um, a sad face and that like that middle face guy and so the idea is that you the just middle face <laughs> the middle face guy <laughs> the straight face so the idea is that okay focus would you rate it like happy face like gray guy or sad face, but at least you're taking a moment to color in the face or whatever, check it off. And then think about like, why, why am I a sad face for focus today? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just simply to start that reflection mm -hmm. or that conversation with yourself. Because honestly, if this planner was what I wanted it to be, it would be a giant Bible. I had to choose what to prioritize in this first version of the planner. And I'm happy I did it. I just basically, I just had to do it. I had to get this first version out, even though it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. It's just doing it. Um, so thanks to my brother for just letting, getting me to just get it out there. Yeah. And it's scary, but you know, part of this is like, I'm emailing clients and people who bought it. And I'm like, I would love your feedback. Please give me feedback because I want to make another version. 
-hmm. And so that's part of this process too, is like being open to that feedback and like, yeah, this might not be the perfect version, but at least it's a version. Right. Um, and so I do. Yeah. So this is a performance planner where you can set goals at the beginning of the planner. There's pages for that track goals on a monthly basis, um, check in with your mindset. And then every quarter, like I said, there's reflection prompts. So every quarter has a theme, um, like, just self-awareness in general there's i think mental preparation there's stress i don't know why I'm, i can't think of it right now but anyway um so it's different than your everyday planner because you the idea is to get you thinking about your mindset on a daily basis too just mm -hmm. starting that conversation with yourself yeah that's amazing i think it's really good and i think the fact that you maybe not have as much space for journaling or it's not really a journal i think that's good if for people like most people don't i'd say a lot of people don't journal but for anyone like for myself i don't journal but like it's a good starting point to putting stuff down on paper because it's maybe easier it's more engaging it's kind of short point form is what i'm, yeah. I'm hearing and so you can gain a lot maybe a lot more from that than you could just writing all everything down on on a page um also easier to look back on too because it's like engaging with questions and yeah which face am i today you know so that's also that's also good and also to your point you know about starting stuff like i was a bit the same with this this new podcast like i wanted it to be perfect and the fact is the first version of anything is never perfect you yeah. know and the scary part is is putting something out that's maybe in your mind not perfect, but it's a start, and that's where you grow. Yeah. So I can also like relate to that very much because this show was the hardest thing to put out for me because I was like, mm. "How do you? I want this to be like next level, you know? I want this to be the greatest thing, and you just got to start it so you can." evolve you know so and you've evolved so much sure <laughs> it's yeah great. It's so i've listened to some of your podcasts last week just to like you know get mentally prepared for our conversation and mm -hmm. you've done such a, a great job and just how consistent you've been with like putting content out is yeah that's that's inspiring Good yeah thank you. you i appreciate i appreciate that you know and it's you never like with performance you're just never perfect no one's perfect and you can always grow and you can always learn something new, you know, and you can always evolve. It's never like, this isn't the final version. This isn't the best version of this. It's going right. to be, it's going to change. And the best will look different to you also, just like your planner will, you know, you're like, yeah. well, that was, I thought that was great. And then two years down the road, you'll be like, this one is great you know but you know that gets me thinking about another topic that comes up in conversation is also like when is it enough right like, when yeah, is it good true. enough mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and that's a tough mm -hmm. thing to manage because if you feel like you're always chasing something or the perfectionism or the right thing mm -hmm. that takes a toll on you mm -hmm. so. i think it's a fine line you know because i think if you have the approach of like if you can learn more mm but don't seek perfection more just in the sense of like, I can learn more and I can be more well-rounded or 
instead of seeking perfection, like this has to be perfect, then I think if you let go of perfection, I think that's where you can grow. You know, I don't yeah. think like perfection is a cap because you think this is what's perf- what perfect might be or, or yeah. should be. I don't know. I don't know why I'm getting off philosophical. No, that makes sense. I don't like, I like go perfection. No, but that I, what you're saying is making sense for sure. And I think when most high performers can let go of perfectionism, that's where we can, like you said, mm-hmm. we can grow. Because it's like, it, it's like even running in pace, you know, when mm-hmm. I don't give athletes paces, I just say, should feel like this because mm-hmm. like you say, any day could feel different or you might be fast today. You might be slow tomorrow, but I also think that the pace limits your potential, right? Like if you tell me to run 415, I'm going to run 415. But what if I can run 405 or Mm. what if I can run four? And that's what that pace feels like to me. And so instead of looking at my watch, I'm just running what the feel is like instead of like limiting myself to a number. Yeah. Kind of. of No, I remember you telling me this (laughs) at one point and you've actually popped up in my brain a few times because now that I'm I'm running but not so much and like I think it's normal to just get so focused on the number and the pace and oh I should be running this or like why am I feeling this tired and then for some reason your voice comes up and I'm just like just can it just feel feel good or like just focus on feeling and I'll put my watch on anyway for some reason because Strava I don't know Sure. But then I'm just like, can I just not look at the watch and go with feeling, especially with, I have so much trouble with slow runs because I'm just like, I don't want to run this long and it just will take me longer to run this 5k. But then again, it comes back down to the why. Like I want it to feel good. So if I stop looking at my watch, which if I do look at my watch, I'll be, my heart rate will be 170 for no reason. You know, if I can just accept that, I don't need to perform and just feel good. It will just be better. <laughs> good. So it's helpful. I'm glad. It's it's like probably one of the hardest things to teach people. Oh, it's so hard. You know, um, where can people find your planner? My planner is on my new website. It's myinnerpace.com. So M-Y-I-N-N-E-R-P-A-C-E.com. Mm-hmm. There's a section there so right now man shipping so expensive so there is like a pickup location in montreal um, around canada the shipping seems to be 25 dollars mm-hmm. uh, i haven't shipped anything outside of canada yet but um i am available to ship that's just a conversation that we have to have an email otherwise uh, you could pick it up in mm-hmm. point saint charles in montreal <laughs> <laughs> nice and it's going well like are you just seeing athletes going after it or are you seeing just every you know everyday people like what's where um i'll be totally honest um how's it gone so far i mean no i know i know what you mean so it's it's not it doesn't it's called a performance planner but it doesn't have to be for athletes yeah um you get what you put in so the times where i've put energy to maybe like let's say market my planner or talk about it more people buy it i've been not doing that so much like obviously when i received them i was like you know, there was a few days I was so excited. And so at that point of time, a lot of my current clients, which are mostly athletes, purchased them. And then it was kind of like crickets because, you know, life. And honestly, it's not a priority. Um, I know I'll sell them because they're undated. So I'm not in a rush. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie. Some days I'm like, oh, my God, like, I just need to get rid of all these planners in my 
my office, but actually it's not a rush. It's undated. And so I'm planning to launch some type of, say, I need a due date. I need to like launch a discount code or something for the holidays because it's Christmas and January is coming up. So I feel like now is like a good time to, to post and market it and sell it. But that mm-hmm. takes energy and I like to be creative and I love to do this stuff, but I feel like that's something that I would want to do like tomorrow when I don't have much stuff going on. Well, you, know? you just, you so. just give us the code. We'll make it a podcast exclusive. And then oh, listeners. yeah, let's do it. Well, let's make a code. Let's do uh, Justin Stride is the code for 30% off. Oh, wow. Live. Okay, perfect. That's I'll make great. it right now. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, amazing. And we'll put it like everywhere where we post about the show and stuff. And hopefully, cool. hopefully that helps. So answer this question. Like this planner is good for you if... If you suck at planning, <laughs> um, if this planner is good for you, if you want to feel more in control of your day to day and feel like you need some a tool to help you organize your tasks and your habits, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. And with this planner, you hope that people will oh, look at you. <laughs> with this planner, I hope that you'll. Feel more confident with your day-to-day and showing up and confident with your bigger goals because because ultimately your day-to-day routines and habits feed into how successful your ultimate goal is, if that makes sense, right? Your Our routines, I think, dictate how success... I don't know if the right word success, but anyway, ultimately the planner, I hope, gives you confidence in your journey and um, your action plan so that you can get closer to what you want to achieve and, and those goals mm-hmm. yeah it's great and uh holiday exclusive here definitely stride <laughs> for 30 percent off the planner so nice. i find there's no better promotion than just having yourself on you know and yeah hearing yeah. you talk and stuff like that and like what's a message you'd like to share you know after every you know you've learned so much in in the time that you've been practicing and speaking to athletes is there is there something maybe I know it's very individual. I know we always say that. and um, mm. But is there like a message that you like to share through like mental skills, coaching? Um, I, I'm Because I read the questions you sent me before, <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, the best advice I've ever received. And what came to mind right away was this was specific to at the beginning of my career when I spoke with someone, I was trying to find a mentor. And basically this person told me, um, not in the same words, but basically to focus on the work you do now and the rest will take care of itself. And to me, what that meant was to like trust yourself more and that there is a fine line between preparation and, you know, overthinking and overanalyzing. And if I, if I relate back to like the context, which was my career was that if I've, you know, if you focus on your clients now and the work that you do now and you do really good work, people will talk and people will refer to you and things will just grow from there versus if you're too much in the future, that takes away from what you're doing now. And same thing for training, same thing for runs, right? You need to trust the work you're doing now because if you start to think about the outcome of the race and you start comparing, then that adds pressure. And now, now, like back to what I said earlier, now we're taking away, you know, energy and time that we can be putting on today in the present where, 
we're letting the future steal it or we're letting the past steal it right Mm -hmm. and this comes down to like just I guess being present um yeah being present and and trusting building trust and confidence in yourself that if you do good things one day at a time like the rest will take care of itself you don't need to to worry too much about about the future yeah be be here be now you know yeah that's be here be now yeah it's, it's so easy to like look ahead and worry about things to come but yeah you got just got to focus on today and like it's cliche take it one day at a time but it's true i mean that's you have to like focus on the task at hand and all those small steps lead to something much bigger and I'm saying not to do it, right? And like, again, that why or the bigger goal is so important, especially on the challenging days. But I think a lot of us get so caught up mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, during pregnancy and and after my, it came down for me to like one hour at a time, one day at a time. And that in itself, you can, it builds confidence and trust pretty quickly too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, it, and it all helps to work towards a goal because I find that sometimes these things can become paralyzing. Also, you know, mm. you can be paralyzed by your own thoughts or just like stuck in stuck in this some ideas too. And um, it's also it's just helpful to kind of move, keep the ball moving forward, however that looks for you. You know, yeah. what do the goals look like for you uh, next calendar or in the next in the next year? We won't say next calendar year, but in the next year. Training wise, I I had no idea up until yesterday <laughs> where I told myself that I think I'd like to do one competition. Okay. Um, in terms of running, it's more social for me. That's okay. I like that. Um, in terms of my career, I mean, there are a few things I have. I'm going to keep them private for now, but mm-hmm. um, I definitely wrote out some things in my on my whiteboard where I'm like, you know, this in 2024, I want to get like these three things done, not 10, cause that's probably not realistic, but anything over three is a bonus, but I definitely have some projects and, and stuff in mind that I, that I want to work on. Yeah. Nice. Awesome. Well, Cam, thanks so much for taking the time and sharing with me. And I know we didn't get to all the questions. We'll, we don't, oh, this could be a three hour conversation, but um, yeah, I hope, I definitely learned a lot from you today and I always do. Um, you got so much to share and, and knowledge and this planner sounds amazing. Sounds like something I definitely <laughs> need in my life. <laughs> but I just want to thank you so much for, for taking the time today and sharing with us. Thanks for having me. It was fun. You're welcome. Talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Just In Stride podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen and I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please take a minute after this to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. With your feedback, we'll be able to make the show even better and it'll help us reach new listeners too. You can also find us on Instagram at JustInStridePod for all the latest episodes and updates. Of course, this show wouldn't be possible without a solid team behind me with logo and design by Vanessa Pugliese, as well as audio, music, and editing by Forrest McKay. A huge thank you goes out to both of them. Guest outreach, social media, writing, and advertising are handled by me, your host, Justin Pugliese. Finally, we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for coming along for the ride with Justin Stride.